Welcome to the All of Life podcast from Redemption Church Tempe, where we have conversations on faith, culture, theology, and beyond to help us live all of life, all for Jesus. Let's jump into today's episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the All of Life podcast. My name is Warren. I'm joined by Jim today. And guys, um, as you may have heard recently, man, we are in this new season at our church. Um, it's, a, it's in the summer. If you stepped outside in Arizona, it doesn't take too long to realize that the temperatures changed. Mm-hmm. Uh, on our walk here uh, to record this, Jim said, man, the heat has turned on us. <laughs> <laughs> so we're in the summer season, and the summer season at Redemption... Um, is a season of worship and wonder, right? Yeah. And so we want to worship God in the beauty and the wondrous beauty of his creation. And so, Jim, we're in this season again, man. So tell me about how are you engaging in this season? How are you making space for God in this season? Yeah, so we're calling everyone to two big questions. Right. The worship question, how are we making space for God? The second one of wonder, how are we making space to enjoy his gifts? Yeah. I would say making space for enjoying God. I, one of the things I've been doing a lot is remixing the Psalms. Nice. Uh, engaging with God uh, in the Psalms Love and uh, letting the ancient prayer hmm. intersect with my life and encountering God there. Um, how about you, man? Man, what I've been doing, um, so I'm actually using this Andrew Murray. Andrew Murray is like an old yeah, uh, yeah. author, theologian. Um, he has this 31-day prayer guide um, that's called Waiting on God. Mm. And one of the prompts, like he kind of does some scripture reflection and things like that, but one of the prompts he has is to like, dude, go through the reflection, read the scripture, and just take like 10 minutes of mm. s- absolute silence. Mm. And for maybe if you're a person who does that regularly, that sounds like, ah, no big deal, 10 minutes. But yeah. for me, you know, that's a big deal. Yeah. And so I've been doing that probably for the last um, week or so, just taking 10 minutes of absolute silence yeah. and uh, just using that as like, you know, I pray throughout my day, but just having that space when there's nothing else I'm kind of interacting mm. um, with uh, and, or, or maybe distracting myself with mm-hmm. uh, would probably be a better uh, term there. Just been, been able to spend those 10 minutes just talking to God um, and, uh, yeah, kind of reflecting on his word. That's been wildly impactful for me. That's awesome. So, That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. It's been really cool to engage that this season. W- what about the wonder side of things? Like what aspect of God's Ooh, gifts are you making yeah. space to enjoy? Hey, man, this is kind of a, this is kind of a curveball. Yeah. So... Jim, you know this, but uh, recently, you know, went to the doctor and got some uh, some news that I need to mm-hmm. curate my diet a little better. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Basically, what I'm saying is I gotta I gotta lay off the junk food a little bit, right? Yeah, yeah. But you know, in that turn, I think when you get news like that, you can kind of take that and be like, ah, oh, man, like mm. now all the joy of eating is gonna be like lost as I have to eat the most plain, boring vegetables and stuff like that. Yeah. But man, I've actually been really enjoying like changing my diet, right? Mm-hmm. Um actually eating a little more cleaner, right? Mm-hmm. Um and I think I'm I'm enjoying understanding better the relationship of food in the body. Mm, that's right. Great. Like yeah. I've I've gorged myself. I've eaten, you know, uh the four cups of ice cream. <laughs> mm. <laughs> but being able to like actually enjoy food now, 
in its I think more of its proper place. Yeah. Has actually given me a greater appreciation of food. That's awesome. That's so good. Yeah. So. Yeah. What about uh, you? Well, I've got the I grabbed from Jason the key okay. to the gym at the church, and I don't even know if we're supposed to be using it because we rent it out to other people. But when when no one's in there, uh, yeah. every day I've been going up and getting uh, probably about twenty or thirty jump shots. Oh, that's awesome! Man. And uh, and uh, listening to worship music mm. as I'm shooting jump shots, as I'm uh, doing the mic and drills, yeah, and uh, and being especially attentive to just the brilliance of the game of basketball. Totally, man. Also, you know, we've got this trip coming up. Yeah. Uh, that we're going to... Summer League yeah. 2022. Every year, yep. uh, I like to take a group of folks to the NBA Summer League, and we just enjoy the game of basketball and the presence of each other. And Man, um, yeah. that trip is, like, so awesome. Yeah. I, I think I was like... You know, I feel like when you normally go to a sporting event, you're kind of just expecting the rah-rah and the hype and there is some of that right and that's that's really cool for when you can experience it but what i love about summer league is it's actually like a really peaceful experience yeah you know for sure for sure it's like you lose all the fluff yeah all the imba you know halftime shows and all that you just kind of get the pure game of basketball with people that are hungry to play so yeah anyway so if you're if you're interested Highly recommend joining uh, us this week. We'll this have year. a yeah. We'll have a sign up on. That. Yeah, yeah, that's coming soon. So uh, speaking of which, we're we're doing something a little different this week um, as a way for us to downshift a little mm-hmm. bit. Uh, we are going to uh, post an old podcast that we did, uh, but it's actually very appropriate yeah, for the man. season. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, man. It feels like um, one of the things that often happens, especially as the numbers on the thermometers go up, right? Mm-hmm. People here in Phoenix, uh, I think we start start dreaming of other places. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, you know, we start to to experience the heat and say, "No, there's no way we can we can live here. This is uninhabitable." Um, oh, but for a million different reasons, this is this the, the season where a lot of people move. Right? Mm-hmm. A lot of people often start to at least consider, yeah, moving. Yeah, and so we did a podcast. You and Jake did a podcast uh, a year ago. With some good questions, some good things to consider mm-hmm. before you move, Jim. I'd even love to hear, like, yeah, what are, what have been your reflections on season on this particular season as it comes around each year? Well, I dread May mm. for this very reason. Mm. Uh, one, because uh, people often make these life changing decisions, right? Moving, changing jobs, starting a master's degree, these sorts of things, and they don't, uh, first of all, count the cost. The it's always easy to see the benefits yeah. of the next thing sure. and the drudgery of the thing that you're mm. in right now. And by my estimation, this isn't scientific, I think about one third of those decisions are good decisions. Mm. Um, and about two thirds are, uh, I'll often hear from people about six months in and they're like, oh no. Yeah. They, they go to discover that like Colorado has icy streets and right as bad as the <laughs> right the, the sun right. and uh and yeah there might be more pour over coffee places sure. but you know uh yeah. you don't trade pour over coffee for community That's and those right. sorts of things. That's right. Sometimes it is right and good yeah. to to make that move. Um but um but I think we are in a culture that 
almost demands that you medicate through yeah. novelty and through change. Totally. And so this isn't a podcast that is, says don't. Mm-hmm. It just says think about these things before you do. Mm. Um, and and uh, also I, I've put together like a, a, a list of questions, like a prayer guide that we'll send out in the yeah. email. Um, but also we can find it on the app right. that accompanies – this podcast, or is just a list of questions that people can ask as they're considering making a big change. Like God, definitely we see in scripture, Hmm. calls people sometimes to make the big change, like the apostle Paul going to the Gentiles. um, And he at other times says, sink roots in, like with the Babylonian Babylonian exile. And how do you discern which is which? Hmm. Um, These will be some helpful tools for that. And I don't see anywhere in scripture where it's like, uh, let me ask you this yeah. before we kick it yeah, over. Yeah. One of the things, the questions that's been really helpful lately is when you sense, when you think that the Spirit might be stirring something within you, saying something yeah. new, asking the question of, does this sound like Jesus? Hmm. Because the Spirit sounds like Jesus. That's right. So you're in the Gospels, yeah, and right. you're like, you get a sense of how Jesus talks, how he, like, types of yeah. things he says. Um what would be for you, mm-hmm. would you say, some things that you've heard people say that God is calling them to do that just doesn't sound like Jesus? Oh, man. Um, I think uh, what you mentioned about community is a big one, mm-hmm. right? And I've heard people want to move places where they, it's, it's kind of tough, man, because like you said, God can call people to places when there's no community. But you know, sometimes you see people that have just benefited so much mm-hmm. by by community, and then they're going someplace where they just know nobody, right? Yeah. And, and there you, may be times, there may be times where, you know, God may be calling you to do that. Yeah. But uh, I've seen that uh, very often. You know, you, you'll ask like, "Hey, do you, do you have you connected with any churches, or any, do you know anyone there?" It's like, no, but there's some job there that's going to pay a bunch of money. Mm-hmm. You know, and um, I think when you hear that as a driving force, I mean, I know our, our you know money is an important tool, you mm-hmm. know, in our lives, right? It has its place, but it's it cannot it cannot completely satisfy all you are and who you are as yeah. a human being. Yeah. Um, so there's things like that. Um, man, nothing else is really coming up. What are some of the ones you've heard? Maybe, maybe once I, uh, yeah, hear what you've heard, I can I think, jog my memory. I think, uh, I need to take this second job hmm. so that I can buy this boat. Yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, that God wants us to enjoy this time at the lake. So I should get the second job and I mean, what a place time. to worship and wonder, yeah. right? <laughs> like, <laughs> it is, but you know what? Uh, turns out that you can get a little uh, uh, right. What do they call those things? A little a paddle boat. A paddle boat. A canoe. Yeah, a canoe. You know, you could rent you something. Swim. You could swim. Yeah. You know, uh. Uh, you know, the, the lake's out there, right? <laughs> right. Right. Uh, right. But someone taking on the second job so that yeah. they can fund that. Another totally. one. This is the one that I hear. Uh, the person who's like, I'm going to leave my spouse and my kids because oh, God wouldn't man. want me to be this unhappy. Yeah, yeah. That's taking the Lord's name in vain. Absolutely. You know? Absolutely. Um, but there are other things that if someone's like, I'm I'm leaving because I'm going to go take care of a sick relative. Yeah. Or yeah. 
I want to go to Syria. Right, uh, right. Or, you know, something like that. I need, there's certain medical sure. uh, care that I can get for my child here. That feels like something Jesus yeah. would invite you into. Absolutely. But I don't think he's like, you really need that boat. And again, <laughs> I, 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 I would even just like reiterate this. I think the one thing that I've seen in this that's like been the most bothersome to me mm. when I see people or I hear people moving, it's like they haven't consulted with anyone. Yeah. Or just the people they know will say. Yeah. The like, people that will basically affirm the decision. Yeah. Right. But like, yeah, I mean, I'm sure, you know, you get into this. We, we get into a lot of this in the episode. But just being able to maybe talk to someone who might challenge you, mm-hmm. right, who might challenge your decision um, in a healthy way I think is important yeah um, so yeah yeah and it, if you're gonna make that decision uh, it's a huge decision it is right? wouldn't you want wisdom yeah right? you'd want people speaking into it and, and the spirit may be leading you to do it yeah uh, but you might also want to think about making that decision in November when it's really nice yeah exactly yeah. <laughs> yeah cool man well um, we're going to get into this episode. Um, I hope you guys find it beneficial. If you're thinking about moving, I hope it's a, a big help to you. And uh, guys, we will talk and see you soon. Hey guys, this is Jake. Welcome back to another episode of our All of Life podcast. Uh, today, I have Jim here with me. And we're going to be talking about questions to ask before making a big decision. So on this piece of paper here, I have... Uh, what Jim handed me, it says three quotes, three questions, and three pivots. And we're going to figure out what those mean because I don't know what those mean yet. But before we jump into it, Jim, I'm curious. So questions to ask before making a big decision. Why do you care about this? Yeah, I think right now in the wake of COVID stuff, probably eight out of 10 people I know are in the middle of making some big decision. It's Mm. either... They're moving somewhere, they're about to make a big purchase, or they're trying to find a new job. Yeah. And I think with a number of those, it sounds like a really healthy process, but with a number of them, I feel like in some ways, people are trying to medicate from some of the weight, the pain, the exhaustion of COVID mm. and are rushing a process to get a little a little shot of like adrenaline, like a little shot of like something to look forward to. And so I think it would be helpful if we kind of slowed down and gave people some tools Mm. on how to process that decision. Doesn't mean it's necessarily wrong. Okay. But I imagine a lot of people are out there making hasty decisions in those things. Okay. Yeah. So not not necessarily these are bad like decisions, but a healthier way to process these things. Yes. And not just like make a gut flinch decision. Yeah. Another example is people starting new academic programs, master's degrees, things Mm. like that. It's like... I'm going to get a master's degree, a new house, a new job. Um, All of those things are good things. They're a part of life. Good things happen from them. Hmm. But uh, if you're using them to medicate, um, you could miss out on what God's doing in your heart and make a pretty big disruption to your life and your family Hmm. and uh, and your friends. And uh, here's where every year I see this in the summertime. It gets hot. You call it the the dry heat fever. Mm-hmm. People suddenly discover that they have been called 
to Denver, Colorado. <laughs> and it's almost always Denver, Colorado. It used to be Portland, or, or but Portland, now, now yeah, Portland's yeah. like Portland's burned down and stuff, stuff like that. Yeah. And, you know, it's not California anymore, but Denver's still full force. Yep. Um, and they, what, what will typically happen is they'll, they'll move, they'll decide they're gonna move, they're gonna spend all summer selling their house, going through the move. Then they go to the, whatever ever that place is, right in time for that place to have bad weather. <laughs> then they'll spend about a year trying to sink roots in there and mm. to make connections. And there are a lot of folks who say it takes up to three years to really get rooted in a place. Mm. Then they'll decide, oh man, this place is just as messed up from the place that as the place that I came from. Yeah. Then they'll move back and everyone will have moved on. And then it's hard to like reestablish roots mm. again. And so people will find themselves in these stretches of one, two, three years of perpetual uprootedness. Mm. Um, and if that's necessary, if it is something that uh, you're running to something rather than running from something, mm. that's worth it. But if you're just trying to get out of the summer or get out of life's particular circumstances in this time, that's a pretty hefty price to pay. Yeah, yeah, that absolutely makes sense. I'm curious too, like for this, like this is something I see too quite a bit with just the friends and people around me and in my community in my life. But for you and your story, like, like how does this in particular pertain to like your life have you experienced this before or is this something that like i've never just like moved cities like something like this but have you experienced this before like has this happened to you yeah absolutely when i was in my early 20s i switched jobs every six months because i had some epiphany about the greatest thing that was coming next <laughs> my, my assumption was that the next moment the next decision, the next move contains everything that this moment, that this place lacks. And so I was moving from thing to thing yeah. and place to place and going after my big dreams. And mm. the crazy thing was by the time I was about 22, 23 years old, all of those big aspirations I had to do something important and yeah. do something in the world were happening. I was living in Turkey. I was a basketball scout. I was doing uh, international uh, peacemaking, and uh, I felt like I was doing the most important stuff I had always dreamed of doing. Hmm. And then I was moving around from place to place, these big cultural uh, centers, these cities, D.C. and those sorts of things. And I felt like that's what life was all about, was, hmm. was finding the next big thing, the next big thing. Hmm. But then um, my daughter— was diagnosed with autism. Mm. And I had always viewed Tempe, Arizona as the junior varsity of places. Hmm. Like one day I'll graduate and go do something really important in some really important place. And the doctors basically said, you need to be stable in order for her to flourish. And I think what happened in that moment mm. is I made this decision to stop bouncing around to really be rooted down. I had to step away from being the basketball scout and leading this peacemaking organization. It was really hard. It was like the big dream, right? Yeah. But, uh, and to be rooted in a place that I had always lived in but had overlooked. Hmm. And in doing so, I found so much more joy and life because I wasn't looking for the next thing. 
I was actually looking for where is God and where is he leading me in this moment, in this place where he has me now. Hmm. And so what that looked like is as a act, as a physical embodied discipline of place, I decided to start growing gardens in the backyard with my daughter. In other words, to make that my prayer, I'm going to plant plants in the backyard as if to say, God, would you plant roots here for me in Mm. this place? And my daughter was really my tour guide of the kingdom, showing me what it looked like, the glory of God under my very feet. Mm. And... um, and what I realized, the, the phrase that kept bouncing around in my backyard, it's now hangs over my office, is that is that um, that long branches, the long branches of like fruitful work, of mission, of influence, come from deep roots. Hmm. And if you've ever seen a tree, like, oh, well, I'm sure you've seen a tree. <laughs> I, yeah, I've you, seen a handful of them. Yeah? yeah okay. You're, fa- you're yeah. familiar with the concept. I'm familiar with the concept. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Theoretically, uh, yeah. I have yeah. seen trees. <laughs> but but the canopy of a tree's branches generally matches the depth and the breadth of its roots. Hmm. And so if you want to have that long reach, don't focus on growing long branches. Focus on sinking deep roots into relationships, into Jesus, into the gospel, into place. And what I found, what I realized is I think my family would have collapsed over time. I think seriously our marriage, my daughter would have been really affected Mm. because I was so craving significance and the satisfaction of the next thing that I was missing my wife and my daughter and the place that God had put me in. Mm. And I see people making that same mistake all the time. Yeah. You you said you're craving significance, and my guess is that there's probably a lot of people feeling the same kind of thing. But do you mm-hmm. think there are even other categories that people are after beyond, like like maybe somebody listening to be like, I don't really crave significance. I just would rather somewhere that has better weather. Like what are <laughs> what yeah. do you think are some of the other like reasons that we might like come up with or have? Yeah, totally. I think comfort is one of them. Hmm. Um I think, uh, yeah, so you just want to be in a more comfortable place. Um, Identity is another one. I want to be a creative uh, person who lives in an urban core in this place or that place. Yeah. Uh, What do you think? Any others come to mind for you? Hmm. I mean, the ones that really at least speak to me is that there is this real sense of adventure or at least theorized or uh, romanticized sense of adventure of going somewhere new and being some new place. Mm -hmm. Um, I think another one that I have heard is where you are currently rooted, you have a past and there might even be some like painful things of where you are that the idea of going somewhere else and completely starting all over seems like a dream. Nobody would know you. You can completely remake yourself entirely and how people perceive you is the thought. And because of this is where you've always been, you've got to deal with all that baggage. Mm -hmm. So you can go somewhere else and you wouldn't have to deal with it. Yep, yep. Um, yeah, that's a yeah, totally, mm-hmm. totally. And the desire for adventure is a good desire. The desire for yeah um, significance that's not wrong. Yeah, but or even comfort. Like you don't sleep with a brick under your head every night. <laughs> you choose a pillow. Like that's not a wrong thing. But if it takes an inordinate place in your life mm-hmm. and is driving these big decisions, there is a very heavy cost. To yourself, to the 
community around you, mm. to your inner life with God um, that comes with every one of these big decisions. So it shouldn't be taken lightly. Okay. Yeah. So not necessarily bad in itself, but just there needs to be a little bit more thoughtfulness and prayerfulness. Yeah. Maybe. Yep. Yeah. Totally. All right. Well, I I feel like I could keep asking you questions on your story, but I want to figure out what some of this stuff means on this paper. The three quotes, three questions, and three pivots. So I'll ask you. Yeah. For like the first one, three. Well, what should we start with? Let's go with questions. Questions? Yeah. Before a big before, decision. Okay. Three questions. Three questions. Well, what are they? All right. I'm gonna give you the first one. Okay. Um, the question is, what do you really want? Hmm. What do you really want? And so when that desire for the new job or the new house or the new whatever comes, uh, pay attention to it. Don't just try to stuff it Mm -hmm. or don't just try to fulfill it. Mm -hmm. But ask the question of what is it that you really are after and really kind of do some of that soul work, praying, asking God to, to reveal that. Because oftentimes there is a better way uh, to have that deep desire satisfied. Mm. Um, so, for example, um, I think, give me a reason why someone might. Okay, yeah. yeah. I'll give you some some what is. Give me what some examples. Yeah. yeah, some examples. What about, uh, I'm, I'm working at a startup company in Scottsdale, mm-hmm. and I'm on the sales team. Mm-hmm. And it's like pays well, but it's a toxic environment. Mm-hmm. It's it's really like an exhausting grind. And so I need to I need to find another job that's not constantly like just a mental burden all day long. Yeah. Like I need to find a job that's a little bit more just yeah, better for my mental health even. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. So it's interesting because um I think a lot of times my first flinch with that is what people want is they want to be back in the garden. Hmm. They want to be in a world where there's not thorns and thistles and uh, where there's not sin distorting and twisting everything. Yeah. Hmm. And so often what you're trying to do is you're trying to find the back door back into Eden. And uh, you're trying to get back there. And especially when you're younger, you think, oh, it's just another job that I need. Uh, and then I'll get there. But then after your your third or fourth job, you realize everything in the world is toxic to a degree hmm. because everything is affected by sin. And okay. So, and so the it, the it should really cultivate a longing for Christ to make uh, to be with Him and for Him to come and return and to make things new and to pray for your kingdom, His kingdom to come. His mm-hmm. will to be done, and then to ask the question, do you have some role of restoration in that place? Hmm. Now, sometimes things are so toxic to the point that they're abusive okay. or yeah. to, to where they're unjust. Yeah. And it's at that point, uh, and I don't know how to tell you exactly how to get there. Yeah. Um, that you need to step, that it might be appropriate to step out of it. But you at least need to acknowledge the fact that you might just be trying to escape a world that's wrecked by sin, and that's a good desire that you can't do in North Carolina or South Carolina or some other job. Not North Carolina. The per- first time, the people who I know who have moved to North Carolina I think it was a good move, so <laughs> I, I don't want to do that. 
We'll say to Denver. Okay, to Denver. Uh, Denver you can't, is the target. You can't move to Denver. Actually, those people, that was a good move, too. Yeah. Um, let's say Paducah, Kentucky. I don't know anyone who moved there. Okay. That you're not going to escape that there, mm-hmm. or you're not going to escape it in another job. Hmm. Well, what about, like, I mean, yeah, I'm going to keep throwing ones at you. Yeah, I'm yeah. like, okay, you stumped me. That sounds awesome. Um, but what about, you know, I'm in a job— and an opportunity has come up in the season, and it's an opportunity for me to be in a work environment where I get to grow, mm-hmm. I get to make more money for my family to provide better for them, and honestly, like where I'm at, my skills that God has gifted me in are not being put to use well, mm-hmm. and there's a spot that actually it seems like I could be using them better. Yeah. Well, what about that? Seems great. <laughs> I, I mean, I think there are good reasons to okay, do yeah, it. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, cool. But— I would say, I would just want to ask the question. Sure. Um, are you the type of person who is just convincing yourself that that is the case? Ooh, okay. Um, yeah. Because you want the relief of believing that that's coming. Hmm. Um, so ask that question. The other thing I would say is that some people, usually— uh, younger mm-hmm. are going to be convince themselves that that next job, that that next thing is always the the thing that's going to satisfy their life. Mm. But then there are other people, generally a little bit older, who have more at stake, who may actually need to step into that role and have oh, yeah. and and have the courage to step into it. Like the opposite. Yeah, exactly. So you probably get asked the same question, what do you really want as a question of like, am I staying for the right reasons? You, you could totally do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so we could Dang. we could actually have that conver- this conversation in reverse. Yeah. But I just, eight out of 10 people are trying to make the big decision right now yeah. versus eight out of 10 just saying, you know, I'm going to be content. Yeah. And And also you have the whole marketing machine of the world that's telling you, you need more. You should want more. This okay. next thing is for you. Yeah. Okay, um, what's the next? What's the next question? The next question is, um, what are the possible things you could be running from? Hmm. So, in other words, it's kind of the question: Are you running to something, or are you running from something? But the way I think the question is better asked is instead of saying, just answering a binary like I'm running to or I'm running from. Actually entertaining the idea that you could be running from something, and what is that thing? So almost like like forcing yourself, like, even if you're like, I'm not running from anything. Yeah. But if I was. But if I was, what would it this be? This is what I would be running from. Yep. Oh, okay. So, for example, um, you said the you've got a lot of bad history in, sure. in an yeah, area. Yeah, yeah. And oftentimes— that means that there's a need for some degree of peacemaking, of reconciliation, of lamenting mm. some of the broken things that have happened, of naming some sin that has happened, or confessing some sin, whatever the situation might be. Mm. That's a very important process yeah. to really do business with. But sometimes we miss out on that life-changing, deep process of Dealing with the pain by just running to the next running job, the next, thing. the next thing, or the next purchase. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So here's a question for you. I mean, yeah, yeah. If you 
What I mean, what are the possible things that you feel comfortable sharing that you could be running from when you make a big decision? Yeah, like if I was just to move or buy a new house or yeah. do something. Yeah, yeah, Some of the things that I would be running from. Um, I think one of the things that just gets exhausting after a while, just like in life and ministry and work is is uh, it, the idea that if you move, like f- the moving one for me is the one that I get like caught up in, like mm. fantasizing about. Yeah. If I were to move, then all of the problems that would be here, and not like big problems, but like the clunky intricacies of working with other broken humans, mm. uh, living like in a city with broken humans, I would be going to a place where, at at least in my mind, I know I say it aloud, it sounds so stupid, but if I went to that other place, it would be a fresh start and Mm -hmm. maybe there's not as many of those problems or I would have a chance to like start fresh and not have to deal with any of those frustrations and problems. Um, That would be one of the things that I feel like I might be running from. Um, I think the the difficult relationship dynamics. So you're talking about peacemaking mm-hmm. and you're talking about like the idea of running from, like that would probably be one of them. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. If I have like somebody, like if I'm really frustrated with Jim at work. Yeah, Jim specifically? Jim specifically. Yeah, 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 totally. I can't stand him. He does not notice. I have issues like, with him, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm often running from him myself. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, if I have issues with Jim and... Uh, specifically, like for working, and you know, for for us, like in our our team, like if I have issues that I have to like work out with him, then there's just I don't know the 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 peacemaking process is challenging. Yeah, and the i the idea of running from a big if I just go somewhere new, I can just start over fresh, and it's almost like oh oh there's just like a new grace period, like boom, like yeah, don't have to worry about that. Yeah, is the idea. Whereas I don't know, it's just uncomfortable to face some of that stuff. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, that's, that's true. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it is, you ready for the third one? Let's hear it. I, I actually had four here, Oh, but I'll, you, I'll turn it into three. Okay, good. Cause All it right. says three on my paper. So yeah. Um, who is the best person to talk to about this? You ask oh. that question. And when I say the best person, it's not, who do I need to get advice from? But who's the best person to talk to about this? I find that often people know how to seek the advice they want to hear. And so they will find the person who's just going to be agreeable to whatever whatever they know that you want to hear. Okay. But you actually need to find the person who can speak into the situation, who doesn't have like a whole um, horse in the race or yeah. whatever, Yeah, will tell you hard things, wants the best for you, wants to see you flourish. And if it is a good decision, they'll tell you. Cause, and and mm-hmm. But also the person who would put on the brakes. Um, hmm. So, I mean, I think that's really important is asking who's the best person to talk to about this, not and I think subconsciously we ask, who is the person who's going to tell me what I want to hear okay. about this? So if I do that subconsciously, how do I find that right person? If my gut flinch is like, I'm going to find the person who is going to tell me what I want to hear. 
Yeah. How do I how do I make sure that I if I'm listening to this I'm like okay well how do I find that person then Yeah Who's the person in the past who has told you the hard things that you didn't want to hear that you're grateful for Hmm I mean that's really how you identify that person Okay Yeah Um Oftentimes people will make bad decisions and then they'll realize that they made a bad decision and come back to everybody Everyone will be like, yeah, we thought that was a bad idea, too. And you're like, well, why, <laughs> why didn't, didn't you tell, tell me? me? <laughs> yeah. Because it's obvious to everybody a lot of times Yeah, that this is a hasty, unwise decision. Hmm. But we're so interested in just making people feel okay, kind of good about themselves mm-hmm. and kind of good about us that you're willing to let them make this big decision without even pumping the brakes a little bit, hmm. that's not the person you want. Um, it's the person who has that track record of saying those things. Okay, what if I'm hearing this, mm-hmm. and the last year has just sapped me of community, mm-hmm. and I'm feeling alone, mm-hmm. and part of that goes into maybe I'll go somewhere new, mm-hmm. get a new job, like as a, as a part of I'm feeling that isolation, and... I really didn't, like who would I go to if I don't if I'm feeling alone who would I go to to t- be that person for me then Yeah 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 um well I think in this scenario yeah, in this I know hypothetical more scenario hypothetical, yeah, I would ask I a lot of questions Sure um I think does this person have people that they were connected to Hmm do they in your hypothetical mind? Yeah, I yeah, yeah I yeah. think so. I yeah. I don't know never. I don't know who Yeah. Yeah, but yeah. They do. So I, I would say your first flinch should be to try to reconnect and reattach relationships that have history hmm. than just start afresh. It, it's counterintuitive hmm. because those start afresh, all you can imagine in your mind is the best things that could come out of those. Yeah. But you know all the junk, the hard, the tension that comes from the old ones. And plus they're boring too, Uh, you know. Yeah. But there's the exciting, interesting. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. So I I would say that. That's good. I would say that sometimes, sometimes uh, it's, it's good to, you're, if you're making a move to step into a particular community, of people that you know or there's a particular thing that you're stepping into or committing to, that can be really good. You're running to something at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, but if it's just this vague, I'm going to go to Paducah, Kentucky, because I feel like there might be some people out there that are more interesting and authentic and Christ-like than the knuckleheads I'm with now, <laughs> you're going to find out that they're knuckleheads there too. Yeah. Yeah. So, hmm. yeah. So those are the three questions. Those are the three questions. Yeah, well, just to ask those before the big decision. What do you really want? Uh, what are you running from? What are you running from? Could you be running from? Not to say that you are. Yeah, what could you be And from? who's the best person to talk to about this that will challenge you? Not to say that the, the decision is always going to be no. Yeah. But ask those questions first. Okay, that's really helpful. Uh, we have left three quotes and three pivots well, which one do you want to do next? Let's do let's do quotes. Okay. And then um, if uh, I'm going to look over here at Steven, I'm going to break the third wall. Yes. And uh, break it. 
how much time have we been doing this? Okay. So maybe maybe we'll do even another podcast on the three pivots. Let's see how far okay. we go. Sure. Yeah. yeah, let's do it. Um, all right. So three quotes. This one is from Anselm of Canterbury. Do you know who that is? Mm-mm. I think it was a monk. Am I supposed to know? Yeah, come on, dude. Okay. You're like the most monk-like person I know. <laughs> you're like— What you're, makes me most monk-like? Here's what I would say. <laughs> I would say, if people have never seen Jake, here you, here you go. This is Describing. Jake. Jake would be like if the young version of Mitt Romney became a Benedictine monk. <laughs> like, that's— and, and, and did CrossFit, yeah. <laughs> the, Thanks, Steve. That was, that was a, really pumping me up there, man. Well, what what did I say in our graduation about you? I was like, if oh, man. if you put if you put NT Wright, mm-hmm. the mind of NT Wright, uh, five gallons of hair five gel. gallons of hair gel. Yep. And uh, what else? I don't remember. Into a blender. Yeah, and uh, maybe the word awesome into a blender, yep, and you just true. blended it up. Yeah. That would be the recipe for Jake Slobodny. That is awesome. I um. mean, <laughs> I pretty much have just only speaking superlatives. So <laughs> that's true. <laughs> All right, let me give you some quotes here. So Anselm from of Canter- Canterbury, uh, a monk who was in charge of training monks. Um, okay, and part of the uh, part of their commitment as monks was what they called the vow of stability. Mm-hmm. So it was if you were ever to move, the whole community would have to come together. And decide if it was okay for you to move. So it wasn't an individual. Yeah, wasn't an individual. Everyone's got to decide. Yeah. Oh. And it, part of articulating the purpose of that is he said this: just as any young tree, if frequently transplanted or often disturbed by being torn up after having recently been planted in a particular place, will never be able to take root. And will rapidly wither and bring no fruit into perfection. Similarly, an unhappy monk, or you could say unhappy person, Mm -hmm. if he moves from place to place at his own whim or remaining in one place uh, is frequently agitated by his hatred of it, never achieves stability with the roots of love, grows weary in the face of every useful exercise, and does not grow rich in the fruitfulness of good works. Wow. That's that's the that's quote. a quote. How how does that hit you? I mean, the tree part yeah. is like out of control good. Yeah. The tree part, I mean, because I have seen trees. Yeah. Um, good. <laughs> surprising we've, as you might have thought. We've got some good common ground yeah, going for this, this conversation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is great. Yeah. I've seen trees, but I don't know, just the, yeah, that thought is like, well, that just seems I love when quotes are like, well, yeah, duh. Like yeah. I've seen like a tree, you would never uproot a tree again and again and again. And then the obvious result of that is that it withers and never produces fruit and likely dies. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's just so obvious. But yeah. then when you connect that to my life and rootedness to it. Mm. Yeah, it just seems like a a no-brainer. Like it seems it just it brings the seriousness, yeah, I think of uprooting. Yeah. Like you maybe got like one or two in you. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and yeah. like if I'm a tree, I got maybe like one. Yeah. Uproot. Yep. Yep. You know. Yeah, and I think the average person moves 11 times in their life. Hmm. I've moved 36 times in my life. 
so when I'm coming to this, yeah. I'm not coming to this as some like super stable guy who's always just my whole life has yep. been like, hey, slow it down. Yeah, totally. Um, I'm coming to it as a speaking to myself and people who have kind of been in the same path as me. Hmm. Um, but there is a danger, a literal danger to your spiritual, your physical, your social health mm. that comes from the constant uprooting. Human beings, like trees, need to put roots into Jesus first, into community, um, and into a place, and oftentimes into a particular work. Not to say it never changes, sure. but just if it changes a lot, it can be unhealthy. Man. You know what that reminds me of? What does it remind you of? A Netflix show. It reminds me of, you ever seen Euro Dreams of Sushi? Uh, no. Oh my gosh, you got to watch it. So, I don't know if it's still on Netflix, but it's just a documentary of this guy who started making sushi before in Japan before it was really popular. It was just street food. Yeah. And he continued to make sushi his entire life. And now he was like in his 80s or 90s still making it. Mm-hmm. And his sons were training under him to take over. And so he has essentially since his 20s done the same thing that was completely not, you know, it was street food mm. for 70 years. Yeah. And he would, and so it's just a fascinating watch because he would take so much uh, like pride in being in one place, focused on one thing. And then what was beautiful about the documentary is you watched how he now is, he's like the legendary sushi crafter. Mm-hmm. Like you'll spend $500 to eat like three bites of fish from him. Yeah. Because he's the master. Yeah. He's only the master because he's spent all that time rooting and going, I will do nothing else. Mm. And I, I think what I loved about it is that it was relatively an unexciting thing. Mm-hmm. He took street food and did it for 70 years. Yeah. Yeah. So. It, it, I am convinced that most people, not everybody, would be way more fruitful in life and in so many ways if you were confined to one square mile for the rest of your life, never mm. able to leave it. Mm. You would have to discover the the opportunities and the richness. Wow. And you would have to stay committed to the particular people and places. Honestly, that's why when people come to faith in um, prison— their their ministry, their work, their uh, so many things actually thrive in ways that would be really surprising because of the constraints. Wow. of limits. Yeah, um, I th- I think of with this one, uh, y- you know, Joe Johnston. Mm-hmm. Joe Johnston is a uh, is a member of a church. He uh, he's the Joe of Joe's Farm Grill, Joe's Barbecue. You know. Uh, Agrotopia, all those places. And he's prolific when it comes to business. Mm -hmm. His business is so not just good and successful, but deeply intentional and meaningful. Mm -hmm. And part of what I think that comes from is a commitment that he made probably about 20, 25 years ago to say any new thing I start, I'm starting it within this three-mile area Mm. of Gilbert. He could have started businesses all over, mm-hmm. um, but he said, no, I'm going to confine myself to this particular people, to this time, to this place, and there's a fruitfulness that has come from the stability and the limits mm. that have been there. Wow. Yeah. Dang. Yeah. All right. What's the next quote? All right. The next cro- quote or quote, quote, either one. Yeah. The next quote. Is um, 
Oh, there's so many here. All right. Kathleen Norris says, to attach oneself to a place is to surrender to it and to suffer with it. Hmm. What do you think it means to surrender to a place and to suffer with it? Man, I think the suffering one like kind of sticks out to me, but yeah, to surrender to it, you know, kind of it kind of reminds me of uh, like marriage, mm-hmm. like in, in covenant. You know, like you are in a sense surrendering to that person, yeah. and so you're saying no to literally everyone else, mm. and to do it properly, mm-hmm. you really do have to decide when the bad things happen, you're not going to dip. Mm-hmm. And that then is when all the fruit and life of marriage comes out of. Yeah. So that's what I, that's what I think of. Totally. Like for like a place. Totally. What I think of is I think of Jeremiah 29. And when the exiles had come out of Jerusalem and were brought into Babylon, and they say, and God tells them to seek the shalom, to seek the flourishing of the city. Hmm. And he says, in, your, in its welfare, you will find your welfare. Mm. In other words, you are going to root yourself so deeply in this place that when it flourishes, you flourish, and when it suffers, you suffer. Mm. You don't stand above the place or outside of the place uh, as someone who's just taking from it or adding to it, mm. but there's a relationship with it that says when it gets tough— um, it gets tough for you too. Hmm. Um, this, the thing, the metaphor that pops into mind is whether it comes to our jobs or our homes or whatever. Is the question is, are you treating it like a garden or a buffet? Hmm. What do you mean? The buffet is just something that you take from. the The garden is something that you take from, but you also contribute to. Okay. And so your relationship with place is not a consumeristic relationship, yeah. but a mutual rooted relationship. Mm-hmm. Uh, this could be, this is with a lot of things, your neighborhood, your church, your, uh, your, your work. Do you have the posture of, I'm just going to extract whatever I can get from this thing? Mm-hmm. Or is it, I'm bound to this, both to give and to receive? And in a sense, somewhat dependent upon it. Mm. I mean, you could flip the metaphor and say, uh, are, you, are you making a home or are you going to a resort? Are you treating these mm. things as a resort? A resort is I just take from it. Yeah. It serves me. A home says I need it. I do take from it, but I also give back to it. Mm. Um, all right. Next one. Yeah. Man, so many good ones. You got to pick, though. You only get one more. Yeah. Well, all right. I'm going to say, I always say the name incorrectly because it's pronounced in a German way, but Simone Weil. Okay. Um, To be rooted is perhaps the most important and least recognized need of the human soul. To be rooted. To be rooted is perhaps the most important and least recognized need of the human soul. Okay. What do you think about that? I mean, that's a bold, it feels like a bold claim. It feels like one I'd be like, come on, 
the most. Yeah. Like, I, to be fair, I think it's overstated. Yeah. <laughs> I think the okay. most, uh, you know, the most important need for the human soul is union with Christ. Yeah, Jesus. Yeah. yeah. But even so, that is a type of rootedness. Okay. Okay. It, it is, ab- if you think about abiding, yeah, um, it's to dwell within. It's to stay within, to abide in Christ. Yeah. Um, you know, it's to be, if you want to use the imagery from John 15 of the vine and the branches, hmm. um, it is to uh, stay, in a sense, connected, rooted mm-hmm. in him. Um, hmm. But but broader than that, I mean, that's kind of the the easy answer. Sure. How does rootedness in your church, your work, your place, your neighborhood, your family? That's another one. I feel like a lot of people are um, bailing on their families to try to medicate. Mm-hmm. Um, what? How does the soul, the inner life of someone, flourish through rootedness? Man. I mean, honestly, as I hear that, I'm thinking of almost everything in my in my faith, especially, has like all the best moments have mm. been because of being rooted in a place. Mm. How so? Because you know, when I'm when I'm in college and I the first time I really noticed rootedness really coming out, and I never would have called it that, but I moved into a house with a bunch of guys who all went to our church and were all in college. And then for convenience sake, I just stopped moving for for like the next three or four Mm -hmm. years. And I had always moved around. Mm. And what I noticed is, you know, at first you get to know each other, you have fun. Then you notice everybody's clicking and you've got this really great thing. We had this really great thing going where every Friday night we had people to hang with and it just felt really awesome. Mm. Year one goes by, year two comes in, we've been able to share some like more parts of ourselves, right? Year three goes by, still I'm living with a lot of those guys. Mm. And I had this sense of, I just had this season where I had this sense of overwhelming loneliness Mm -hmm. and isolation that would just hit me. Yeah. Like spiritually, even if I was in the middle of like a crowd. Mm-hmm. And it was only in that season where I had friends who had known a lot of my story, known a lot, and all those things just took so much time. Like, mm-hmm. if, at, at any point, if I had moved or moved moved on, like relationally or even just moved, none of that would have been possible. Mm-hmm. And because that, I was always there at the same place. Th- it was like it just stacked on top of it exponentially, and I was able to share where I was at, what was going on. Mm-hmm. And all of those men were able to surround me with love, encouragement, and then continue to walk me through it, right? It wasn't just like a one-off, like, hey, don't worry, you're not alone, feel better. It yeah. was like, hey, when this happens tomorrow, because we know it's going to happen, Yeah, what do you want us to do? Yeah, Which, and I trusted them enough because I've been with them so long. So I don't know, I, I feel like I could talk for days on all examples where if you just cut out the rootedness, the consistency, being present, just showing up, being there in the same place, it wouldn't have been there mm-hmm. at all. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. You know, as, as you're talking, I'm even thinking about you and I. Mm-hmm. Um, we've known each other, probably worked around each other. Yeah. That's uh, true. How many? How long would you say? I mean, at least like we've been around each other like close to ten years. Yeah, yeah. So, 
Uh, at one point, we discovered that we were related. Yep. Uh, which people don't know in the congregation, <laughs> yeah, we're which was pretty hilarious. Yep. It was we were both taking a trip to Portland, and we kept talking about how e- each of us was going to go visit our family when we were going out there. So we both are planning separate trips. Yeah, and and as we we're talking about our family, we realized that we're like very similar people. Yep. <laughs> and then we realized that his stepbrother's married to my first cousin. Yeah. And it was the same so exact So we were planning people. the same trip to the same place without knowing. <laughs> yep. Um, but, I mean, having worked with you a long time, um, you know the, the questions to ask about my daughter mm. that only come from a long season of friendship. And uh, you've known the, the points uh, where I was in tears. You've prayed through these things. You've, you know, those sorts of things. Yeah. Um, with you, I know based on the way that you are sighing mm-hmm. and or the aggressive way that you are walking, <laughs> w- what's going on in your inner, yeah. the, like, How loud inter- I'm stomping internally. I yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, or the weird way that you're sitting uh, at a desk, if you're like sitting on the floor with mm-hmm. like one, you know, that's yep. that's when I know actually Jake is in a pretty creative, good space, you know. <laughs> um, but but I'm actually able to ask those questions yeah. and engage in prayer just simply by hearing the way that you're walking. Mm-hmm. But that can't come quickly. That only comes from a degree of rootedness. Yeah. Yeah. So those, those three, are, three those questions, three quotes. three quotes. Are we going to do the three pivots? Yeah, let's do it. Let's do the three pivots. And then maybe if we need to do another podcast to elaborate on something Some like the Yeah, let's then we them. can do it. Yeah. So three pivots. Yep. Not saying it's wrong to move, to get a new job, or to make a big purchase. Okay. But we have a pivot for each of those. Okay. In other words, uh, if you're thinking about moving— we want you to pivot and try one other thing before you do it. Okay. So what are the three um, things that we're going to try? All right. So let's start with before moving, Okay. try pilgrimage. Hmm. Before moving, try pilgrimage. Okay. I think a lot of what people want when they're thinking about a big move yeah. is actually a very intentional purposeful journey. Hmm. And for much of Christian history, pilgrimage, this this trip that isn't just for uh, entertainment, entertainment yeah. but has a deep purpose of connecting with God, of understanding yourself, of understanding his world, has been a part of our tradition, yeah. but kind of got lost in, in, the, in the Reformation in some ways. Okay. And so I think a lot of people need a pilgrimage right now. Sure. Uh, an intentional journey to really reflect on this tough season that you've just been through. Yeah. Um, I mean, when when you think of pilgrimage, yep. Like, let's let's just talk of some ideas uh, for things that people could do that would be good pilgrimage things to try before making the move. Yeah. Um, good ideas. I mean, but before, because it just popped into my mind, before even ideas, uh, something that popped up immediately in my mind, the yeah. first time I ever loved Phoenix mm. is when I had the chance to go on a little short-term missions trip. Yeah. And when I was there, I was in Russia. And when I was there, mm. 
I, I'm a week. I was like, this is it. This is where God's working. Probably a week went by and I was like, oh my gosh, every problem they have here is at home, except I can actually speak the language. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm exactly. connected. So anyways, but yeah, so practical things of what to do yeah. to do a pilgrimage. You're going to organize yeah. a pilgrimage. And, and some might be like, you know, what is this pilgrimage? Just think of it as a, a vacation or a trip that is less about entertainment Mm-hmm. but is intentional about connecting with God, getting to know yourself, being with others, going on mission, something like that. Yeah, absolutely. So what comes to mind? What, what what tips would you give to people? What are some ideas of pilgrimages that could be done? Sure. I think, it you know, depending on the availability of what you have, you probably could do a pilgrimage in a lot of different ways. You can do a pilgrimage that would be similar to your type of vacation. Like if there's an area that is very restful for you, like every year you you go somewhere in California or you can actually just add a level of intentionality to it. Mm -hmm. So you wouldn't even need to like do something different. You would just add a level of intentionality to it at the base level of like, Hey, we're usually going to San Diego like over the summer, but add maybe just add in some long walks Yeah, where you are spending some time, uh, thinking through and praying through even, you know, honestly, I would take some of these questions and these quotes mm-hmm. that you gave yeah, and I would begin to ask them, but there's something about just getting a new environment that might shake it up a little bit enough for you to think outside of the box without having to move to Denver. Yeah. And then once you escape the heat, run into the cold. Yeah. So I, I think, yeah, that you can add a level of intentionality. Uh, I think you can, You know, for me, I love being outside. Mm -hmm. And so something that I regularly try to get is to have like just a day trip, right? I just pick a day and I go up north either to Flag or somewhere in Payson. And one of the ones I've loved to do is I can go up to Payson in an hour and 15 minutes. Yeah. And there's plenty of places like rivers. I just go on walks with a journal, a Bible, and I just kind of cruise around. Yeah. And allow God to speak and get some time that's alone. Yeah. That actually has been really helpful with through thinking through big things for me. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I think uh, I mean a few that come to mind for me. Probably once a month, uh, I go to the Verde River. Yeah, and I don't know why, but like in Arizona, you have to say Verde River often if you're a, a white guy. Even though if I saw something green, I'd say Verde. But Verde, but yep. it's the Verde River, the Verde, because right? that's what I grew up saying. But like, yep. So I go there. And that's my favorite place to go and pray. Um, yeah. Walking, and then what's happened is that that place has become iconic of answered prayers of seasons of life, right? Hmm. Uh, another pilgrimage that I've taken is I've gone to every house in the, the Phoenix metro area that I've lived in. And then at that house, just parking out in front, hopefully people don't think you're too weird, and then just writing down the things I'm grateful for and the things that I grieve. Hmm. Um, every time when I'm struggling with the idol of significance, um, I go to a basketball court that I grew up in, uh, where I was, uh, I was cognizant of the fact that my father was not around Hmm. and I was performing to try to get some sort of significance or or whatnot. I go back to that spot and reaffirm my sonship. Hmm. Um, we've taken, uh, We've gone on pilgrimages before to uh, Memphis and the place where uh, MLK was assassinated. Yeah. And uh, we've gone there to pray and really reflect on issues of injustice. Um, 
going to places of historic meaning, just history in general, or that are historic for you, Hmm. Um, going on places to connect with certain people. Uh, If anyone's listening to this and you want help, like, structuring a pilgrimage, I would love to help someone craft what that looks like. Yeah. I even think of, like, having, like, mini pilgrimages, too. Yeah. You can have big ones, but I'm just, as I was saying that, one of the best people for me in the last season has been my brother. Yeah. And we just, Saturday morning, we go and we do a hike together. But we're really intentional about what kind of questions we're asking each other. Yeah. And so it's really fun, but we get a, he's the person that's going to ask me these good questions. That's so good. Yeah. And, and just before you move, your moving might not be wrong. Just take a pilgrimage first because that might be what you need. I have a hunch hmm. that that's what a lot of people need. Yeah. Even if it's to get out of the heat. Like, yeah. yeah, go to Denver. Spend a few weeks there. Relax and enjoy how yeah. beautiful it is because yeah. it's terrible yeah. uh, in the summer here. Um, <laughs> I think a nomadic existence in Arizona is kind of needed sometimes. All right. Um Let's do before a big purchase, uh, give a big gift. Okay. I think that there's something in human beings about the lavish, excessive, over the top, breaking with some money, Hmm. releasing it. You think we all need that? I do. Yeah. I do. Even if you're the widow and it's your two mites. Like yeah. it's, uh, and it's not a lot. Mm. But I think that there's something that's good for the heart to just break from some money. And I think what happens often is we, that we satisfy that hunger by saying, oh, I need to make this big purchase. Okay. There's, there's this internal, so there's an internal hunger for generosity in us of the, the, the lavish release of the money. Interesting. And uh, because we're made in the image of a generous God, right, who delights in giving, right? And so my, my thing is if you're going to make a $1,000 purchase, you're thinking about that. Yeah. M- maybe take a shot at the $1,000 anonymous gift to someone who's struggling, who's oh. in need. Uh, take, that, take that stimulus check. Yeah. Uh, find someone or something or some organization, uh, Redemption AC. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, and and creatively, lavishly, give it away. Yeah. And I think what you might find is that there's a greater joy in experiencing the presence of Christ through generosity than mm-hmm. there is a making the big. Hmm. What do you think about that? <laughs> I think of this is silly, but like it sounds like what you're describing is if you like feel like you need to make this purchase, like it might be that you're experiencing like generosity constipation. <laughs> I like, like, it. <laughs> like, 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 yes, it's there, it's true, but like the way you deal with that is is through generosity, yeah. not to going and spending money in a huge area somewhere. Yeah. And and I find that like there's the diminishing return and whatever the possession oh, yeah. is that you have. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think there's that same diminishment when it comes to generosity. Generosity. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe there is for some folks. 
Like, I would, I would, I'd love to hear somebody say that, though. I, I, I have often had buyer's regret. The only thing I've never had buyer's oh, regret yeah. about is buying a smoker. But um, but I've never had, like, generosity regret. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, actually, I have. <laughs> One time, uh, there was a Turkish dude. I was living in Turkey, and uh, he said he had always wanted a piano. Mm-hmm. And oh, yes. we had a piano. I know the story. It was my wife's piano. <laughs> <laughs> and I gave it to him. And she came home, and there was no piano. And uh, we had a rough situation well, for see, several the, days. The problem with that is that you were giving away somebody else's stuff. <laughs> that's true. It's not. It's like fake generosity. Yeah, yeah. That's true. That's true. <laughs> yeah, so don't do that. Don't do fake generosity and give somebody else's stuff away. All right, last one. Yeah. Uh, before getting a new job, mm-hmm. um, make a mission plan. Okay. So we started a new process yep. at Redemption Tempe to help people craft a mission plan. Yeah. What is the mission plan, Jake? Yeah, the mission plan essentially would be you'd sit down with uh, Jim, myself, Will, one of the pastors, and we would walk you through a process of intentionally creating and cultivating a plan for your life to participate in God's mission. But like think of three specific areas of life. So it would be uh, stewardship mm-hmm. and the work that God has given you for your hands to do. And so that would be like work, that nine to five work, but also it'd be other areas of work as well that we often don't consider as work. The other thing is that you would come up with an intentional plan for service mm-hmm. and how you can use whatever God has given you to wash the feet of the world, like to care for the world. And the third one is an intentional plan for spoken word, which would be proclaiming the good news with our with our mouths and what we mm-hmm. do. So all of these things, and what's been so fun walking people through these mission plans so far is to reframe it instead of like, hey, here's a new thing to do, but let's intentionally look at your life, prayerfully think about how to participate with God but then I put the limitation in all of it. We can't add an extra hour, an extra hour into your week at all. Mm. We just have to take everything you're already doing. And all we're doing is we are reframing intentionality mm. and obedience to God into it. And it's been fun to see people's eyes light up because, you know, who's got more time for an hour to think, but to rethink of like, right, we can do this with what we already have. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's what a mission plan is. We'll walk you through that process. And by the end of it, you'll have an intentional plan for all those areas of life and how to participate with what God is got for you in mission. Yeah. Yeah. Cause oftentimes the desire for the new job mm-hmm. is a desire yeah. to feel like you're doing something purposeful mm-hmm. and that is a part of God's mission yep. and is the big thing. And the reality is the big thing might just actually be under your feet, but you need uh, yeah. a new imagination to see that it is there. Yeah, and I think what's so cool about this as well is let's just say that maybe the next thing, the next job is really the perfect job that God has for you where your gifts are all going to be used and it's going to be like just the, the best thing ever, right? Mm-hmm. Why wouldn't you learn in the job that's not ideal? Mm-hmm. how to do this really well. Yeah. So that when that opportunity comes, if yeah. you you already are knowing how and crushing it with participating with God. Yeah. Like, like why wouldn't we practice that now? Yeah, totally. 
I'm going to sneak in my last quote. Sneak in your last quote. Because I think it's really fitting. Four, let the record show. Four quotes. <laughs> Wendell Berry. You knew I had to get a Wendell Berry quote. Yeah, I was waiting for him. He says, And the world cannot be discovered by a journey of miles, no matter how long, but only by a spiritual journey, a journey of one inch, very arduous and humbling and joyful by which we arrive at the ground at our own feet Hmm. and learn to be at home. We want to help you arrive at the ground underneath your own feet and learn to be at home. All right, folks. Thank you. That's it for today. Have a good one. See ya. Thanks for listening to this episode of the All of Life podcast. To get more information on Redemption Church Tempe, you can download the Redemption Tempe app or you can send an email to tempe at redemptionaz.com.